At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our Christmas message series, Eyewitness, finding your Christmas story in theirs, where you're invited to find your story in the extraordinary experiences of the men and women who witnessed the very first Christmas. Together, we'll see that no matter who we are, the coming of the Christ was for us. Well, good morning. That's a pretty cool story, isn't it? Hear how someone um, that you probably have never met, you don't know who they are, but just up the road, not far from here, in the city of Pontiac, God is doing amazing things. Uh, I probably get to hear the stories much more often than you do of what God is doing through the Dream Center and in the Dream Center. And uh, honestly, we probably need to do a better job of telling those stories of what God is doing uh, through the Dream Center because it's quite amazing, especially now. You heard Pastor Chris talk about they've moved into their own facility for the longest time, actually from its inception. The Dream Center and the Pontiac Campus were in the same building, actually launched really at the same time, and God's been doing amazing things there in that facility. But it's been quite cramped, and so God's opened the door where they have their own facility now, and uh, now they're able to do all of this other stuff. And um, we've been talking for the last number of weeks about year-end vision spotlight, what we're kind of heading towards in 2022 and where God is taking us in the future, maybe even beyond that. We talked about the Campus Accelerator Program and how we're trying to open up campuses specifically for some of the other campuses and how we're trying to raise money here at our campus just for the city of Detroit and the campus there. And we talked about opening new campuses in college towns like Ann Arbor and uh, East Lansing and where God, we want to see God move there in the next five years. And this is just one more of those initiatives. And I think Pastor Chris uh, shared there, we're looking to try and put together about $200,000 for renovations of this space as they, I think they have around 30 employees now that they're employing. And you can see the transformative value it has in an individual's life that was sitting in jail and is now being used, like the Pontiac Dream Center is now being used to minister to people. And like I've shared with you many times, us wanting to be, to be the people in the community that can build bridges of love that can sustain the weight of the gospel. So building bridges of love with people in Pontiac that need help in the surrounding areas, that it might be able to sustain the weight of the gospel. And so we shared for the last number of weeks. Man, if, that's, if that compels you towards the end of the year to give towards something like that, you have a, um, a handout in your um, bulletin that shares a little bit more, and you can scan the QR code there to give directly. Or, uh, like I said, just practicality in the back of your seats. Those are general giving envelopes, and there's giving boxes outside, but in your bulletin there's an actually giving envelope for that. Or you can just go to woodsidebible.org and give there directly. But again, thank you for your generosity. Um, the Dream Center is impacted by your weekly, monthly generosity just to our general giving here. And I just want to say thank you, as in just the last number of weeks, we've made up, most, uh, we've made up all of our uh, budget need. For those of you who call this home, we've made up all of our budget need in the last couple of weeks to where we're on budget, or actually over budget right now with our giving, which is amazing. So I just want to, again, thank you for your generosity. If you're here and you're visiting or you're new or you're watching online, man, we're just glad you're here. Please feel no um, don't be, feel compelled you have to give anything. You're our guest. Thanks so much for you. No one feel compelled you have to give anything. We want anything from you. Um, Alex might, but I don't. It's fine. Uh, no, I'm playing. Uh, we're just so glad you're here with us. Uh, if you've never met me, my name's Jim. I'm the campus pastor here at Woodside Lake Orion, and uh, we're just excited you're here. I feel like I just saw some of you like 24 hours ago, um, and I'm so glad you're here. 
because you guys are the real believers. That's awesome. It came, I'm playing. I'm totally kidding. If you're watching online, forgive me. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We're just glad you're here. We always know that it's going to be a lighter crowd, but we want to have an opportunity to be able to worship for those who want to and come and open up the Word of God as well. So today we're going to do just that. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 if you want to join me. Uh, you can read off the screen. There's Bibles on the back, or you can read off an iPad like I do. And um, we're going to have a, a, a great few minutes just opening up God's Word. We're landing the plane on our series, which we've been talking about for the last number of weeks, called Eyewitnesses, looking at different eyewitnesses of the coming of Jesus. And man, I, I feel like uh, last night, my favorite was that of uh, Christmas Eve, looking at the scribes and Pharisees and Herod, and then the Magi ruining much, uh, many people messaged me that I ruined their, uh, their, their, their nativity set. My kids went home and moved the wise men off a little bit because they said, Dad, we want to be scripturally accurate. So uh, just trying to teach my children uh, properly. But man, it's been fun to be able to look at these different eyewitness accounts. And today I feel like we're going to get to one that maybe you don't pay attention to a lot. Um, as I was thinking, and it was so funny, even this morning, it was a practical example as I was coming into church. In our modern Western culture, uh, we have a problem. Well, we have a lot of problems, but one of them is waiting. We don't like to wait for anything. Hello? Anybody else? I mean, we don't like to wait. If, if anything is, is non-efficient, we have a, a problem. Um, we freak out when someone is in front of us is not driving the speed limit. Anybody else? All right. I have a problem. We can all admit that. When, when our favorite restaurant takes a little bit longer than it should, and if any of you here, if your favorite restaurant is Taco Bell, see me afterwards. I'll pray over you that the line's not going quick enough. But like, we get frustrated when we order our food and what's taking so long, right? We get, anybody else, you get so frustrated when an image on your phone doesn't load quick enough. And I'm like, the Wi-Fi or your cell service. I mean, if our packages don't come in less than two days, we're completely frustrated because we should be able to order anything in the world and it should be on our porch in a couple of days. Honestly, at the end of the day, we simply just don't like to wait. And because of this, honestly, we look and often seek avoiding waiting at all costs. I mean, if there's any type of waiting that is having to happen in our lives, we're going to try it or we're going to engage in it begrudgingly. Fine. I'll wait. My kids don't even want to wait till Christmas morning to open their presents. I'm like, what's the point of Christmas? Fine, you can open one. And even when Sarah lets them do that, I'm like, mmm, you're giving in. Let them wait. I want to see them squirm, right? And in the Advent season, we're reminded of this, honestly, because Advent, the coming of Christmas, is honestly the people of God, the story of the people of God waiting for the Messiah to come. And they've been waiting, as we'll get to in a moment, for quite a long time. And then we are reminded that post-Advent, after Christ has come, he's given his life, now we're waiting for Christ to come again. So honestly, at the end of the day, all of Christianity is a story of waiting, waiting on God to move, honestly, on our behalf. And the story of Christianity is about waiting. We can't escape it. It's part of the journey of sitting back, waiting. But the question is, how do we wait? And I want to specifically ask this morning, how do we engage in seasons of waiting? How do we wait well with the Lord. And today in Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at two individuals that often, almost always are overlooked in the Christmas story. 
and engage with them well to see how they waited well and how it might impact our lives. And those two individuals are Simeon and Anna. You might not have even heard of them before. They get a very small section of the Christmas story, but they're there found in Luke chapter 2. So I just want to read the opening parts of it in verse 22 and just explain a little bit about them. So it says in verse 22 of chapter 2 of Luke, And when the time came for their purification... According to the law of Moses, they brought him, that's Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. And every male, every male who is first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said to the, in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Now there, is a, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name is Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Then jump down to verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in her years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. And she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. So the, the, the idea of what's happening here is Jesus, are bring, Jesus' parents are bringing him to the temple because it's in accordance with the Old Testament and what they're doing. And really what Luke is showing is that Jesus was obedient to the law even in his infancy. He did exactly what was supposed to be done. And so they bring him to the law, and, and Luke introduces us to Simeon and Anna here in Luke, in the temple as they're here. And Simeon and Anna are both portrayed as these people are waiting for years for God to act on their behalf according to the promises that he's already given. And although there would be literally, would have been hundreds, maybe even thousands of people in the temple at that time, these two individuals are the two individuals that are able to recognize that Jesus the Messiah here has come. And so I want to look at them today for us as models of those who receive Receive well the arrival of God's promised anointed one as they've been waiting for such time as this. And what I want to show you is that waiting in faith, and I'll talk about what that means, waiting in faith, how that looks, enables us to receive God's promise. Waiting in faith, rather than the opposite would be waiting with doubt, waiting begrudgingly, waiting with dragging our feet, stomping our feet, fine, whatever, God. Waiting in faith enables us to receive God's promise. And so when we wrestle with this, how do we wait in faith for the promises to come? Maybe you're in a season of waiting now, or maybe you're about to, I promise you, in some season, wait on something when it comes to the Lord. And so I want to encourage you today, let's look uh, again uh, as we wait with devotion, as we see that they did in verse 25, as we continue reading, look what it says. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. Man, I hope one day those are the words that are spoken of me. If someone wrote a book about me, which will never happen, it's fine. But I hope these are words that are expressed about me. A man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Again, another thing that would be great to be said of you. And then in verse 36, it speaks of Anna. And there was a prophetess, the daughter of Phenuel. And the tribe of Asher, and she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years, and when she was a, since she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84, and she did not depart from the temple. I love this, to be said of me, worshiping and fasting and praying night and day. So as we're introduced to these individuals, Simeon and Anna, one of the first things we notice is they are devoted to God's ways, and they're actually devoted to God's word. 
And I want to show you that. In the text, start with Simeon. He says that he's righteous and devout. So righteous here is not talking about that he's, he's like perfect, that he's like kind of declared righteous. Not that kind of righteousness. What he's talking about, he's kind of right living. He's committed to living in accordance with God's ways, which all of us should be, that we're committed. We're not going to be perfect at it, but he's committed to living in the ways of Jesus, to, right, to, to live rightly before God. And then it says he's devout. And what it's highlighting is that he trusted God. So if you think about it this way, that, that righteousness is the action, that he's actually living out the right ways before God, and devotion is the heart behind it or the faith behind it, that he's living out rightly before God, and his heart is right in doing it, that he's devout to be able to follow after the Lord. And further, it says that Simeon, he's not only devoted to God's ways, but he's devoted to his word. Um, if you read it in the text, it highlights that he's waiting for the consolation of Israel, so Simeon knew that the Messiah was coming, and he's waiting for that Messiah to come. I'll just, this is a side note's free. You can't wait on the promises of God if you don't open up the Word of God and know the promises of God. You, you can't know what God has for you and then therefore wait for what God has for you if you're not opening up the Word of God seeking what God has for you. And that's someone like Simeon who knew the Word of God and he was devo devoted to the Word of God. He was actively waiting for the promises of God to come true. And then he jumped down to Hannah as well. She was a widow for a really long time. So she was married to her husband for seven years and then she became a, a widow, losing her husband, and she remained devoted to God for all those years. And what's said about her? What I would want to be said of me. What an amazing example she is, that she's devoted to worship and fasting and prayer in all the many years that have been really hard to lose your husband and then say single, and in all of that, she didn't question God. She's not doing any of that stuff. She's just staying devoted to God and worship and fasting and prayer. And they're devoting to God's ways and trusting his word. In the season of waiting, they were devoted to the Lord they were waiting, as I said, the first thing we see is waiting with devotion. It, it reminds me, honestly, of what many people are going through right now as they were anticipating January 1st. What's the greatest thing that most people do starting in January 1? Yeah, everybody's hitting up the gym for about two weeks. They're getting after it, right? And I don't know about you, I, I always am thinking about my health. Uh, when it comes around, like as I do, of evaluation, I'll be doing that this next week, of like every area of my life, spiritually, emotionally, uh, physically, uh, all of these different areas. And that's one area I come back to. How well did I do last year? How well am I going to do this year? What's my goal? You'll never reach your goals if you never make them. And so I'm, I'm setting forth what I want to do. But I don't know about you, I often, when it comes to like diet specifically, you look at your life and you're like, well, I don't want to start eating well because Christmas is coming. Who in the world wants to eat well around Christmas or Thanksgiving or when you're randomly going to have your friends over and you're going to eat pizza? Like who wants to eat well in those seasons? So oftentimes I'm looking at my schedule and I'm saying, okay, this is coming. So I'm not going to start eating well until like February 10th. Or February 11th, because it's my birthday, February 10th. So I'll wait, live it up until then. But what happens in the middle of that is, honestly, I, I just start, like, rationalizing everything. 
letting myself do whatever I want because, hey, you know what? I'm waiting till that day, so I'll just eat and binge whatever I want. And honestly, I'm going through it right now with this big old boot on. Like, well, I won't be able to start working out again because normally I like to try to work out a few times a week. I can't start doing that again for a long time. So I start rationalizing, like, just, ah, whatever. And then six months from now, when I'm supposed to be, like, fully recovered, I'll probably be even worse off than I am now rather than saying, what can I, can I do in the meantime? I rationalize, like, hey, if I have to wait, forget it. I don't really care. Why do I have to worry about it? And I tell you, too often that's our mentality within the Christian faith. We begin to rationalize, and we go through this in our walk with God, and we start in seasons letting ourselves go spiritually, ceasing to walk in righteousness, or cultivating devotion with God, and we think, or we say, like, man, when X, Y, or Z happens, or when God answers that prayer, or when God brings me this relationship, or when I get that new job, or whatever happens, then I'll start my devotion with the Lord, or then I'll start again. So many of you might make goals in the next season to say, man, I want to spend time with the Lord at least a few times a week, and you'll miss a day, I promise you. You'll miss a week, I promise you. You'll miss a month, I promise you. Don't. Don't explain it away and be like, well, January 1's coming again. No. Don't wait. Say, tomorrow's a new day, and I'll start again tomorrow. Rather than sitting back and saying, man, God, when this happens, that happens. It's kind of like what Peter shares in 2 Peter 3, 13. He says this, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, us, followers of Jesus, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And this is what Peter is sharing. He's calling us, calling followers of Jesus to be diligent, righteous, and in peace while we wait for the coming of the Lord. Don't sit back like so many believers are doing and sit on your hands in a chair in church or at home, no matter where you're experiencing church today or every other day of the week, and just be like, well, one day, one day. No, he says, while you're waiting, Make no excuse. Be found righteous and diligent and at peace. May I call you today to wait with devotion. Man, one of the practical ways, I'll just tell you, from, Han- from Anna's life, a practical way, if you don't know where to start at the beginning of the year or now, of what waiting with devotion looks like, can I tell you, maybe Anna's your great example to pursue worship, prayer, and fasting. Like worship doesn't happen in this room. Every morning, you can go before the Lord. You can listen to your own music if you want. You can read the Word of God by yourself or with your family or with your spouse or with your friends. And you can go before the Lord every day in prayer. And you can fast on your own. It's not something you only do when the church compels you to do it. So many believers for so long have fasted one day out of every week. You don't eat anything. I know it's hard to believe. But yeah, we can do that and see what God does in your life. But then if we jump down in, in 26, we see that they waited for God's timing. Look what it says in verse 26. And it had been revealed to him, we're talking about Simeon here, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so it was told him that he's not going to die before he sees Jesus. And coming, down in verse 38, now, now talking about Anna, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redeemed of Jerusalem. 
So the second thing we notice is that they waited for God's timing. They were willing to wait for the timing of God in their life. I'll tell you, at this point, it's hard for us to believe, but Israel had already been waiting for a very long time. There's this intertestamental period. There's the Old Testament, the New Testament. There's a break between there of about 400 years where God didn't speak. Now, we complain when we pray and say, man, God hasn't spoken back to me. I haven't heard from him in weeks. How about 400 years? They hadn't heard from God in 400 years or longer. But they had a promise from God. And they were waiting on that promise. They're both advanced in their years. They not just, you could easily say, well, they waited for 400 years, but they themselves were old in age and had been waiting their entire lives for this promise. Can you just imagine what that would be like? Simeon personally, God had promised that he would see, the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would see Jesus in his life. So can you imagine the challenge every single day, waking up, waiting, going in, and being like, you know what? just waiting for for your promise to be fulfilled. And I'll tell you, there's probably some people here today or people that are watching online. You've prayed for your loved one and you've prayed 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 for years and you've prayed. And there are days that you wake up and I'm like, I'm tired of waiting. Can I just compel you this morning, continue to wait on the Lord. Continue to actively go before the Lord in your waiting Don't sit back and be like, God, I prayed twice and you didn't answer my prayer. No. It might be years. It might be a lifetime. It might not be in your lifetime that you prayed and God will sow. The seeds you're sowing will reap a harvest. Because, you know, Simeon was much different than many of the other people that lived at the time as he was waiting. There was a number of different groups within Judaism, right? So there were the zealots. There's a couple of disciples like that. They wanted to overthrow the government. They thought that's how they're going to bring about the Messiah. You had, the, you had the, the Pharisees, right? They thought they were going to bring about the Messiah by living so holy, so they made rules on top of the rules on top of the rules, so you couldn't break the rules. And then you had the, the Sadducees who really kind of were like sellouts to the Romans, and maybe God will come about then. Or you had the Essenes. The Essenes are the people, uh, you ever heard about the Qumran scrolls we recently discovered not too long ago? Like out in the middle of nowhere, they would translate the Bible, and they were separatists. They would just separate, and they thought maybe that's the way which, with which God could, would bring about the Messiah. And all of them are outside of Simeon here. He's just sitting waiting, saying God promised it's going to come. And he waited and continually went before the temple waiting, day in and day out. I'll tell you, oftentimes in life, we try to go about things our own way. Like the zealots, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and Essenes. Man, God, you're not answering my prayer, so I'll overthrow what I need to. God, you're not answering my prayer, so I'll bring it about this way. God, you're not answering my, 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 my call, so I'm tired of waiting, so I'm going to do it on my own rather than trusting the promises of God that we know and waiting on the Lord. Anna, likewise, it's amazing to see her life. She was ready at the very hour when the Lord was there and promised her devotion and her faith allowed her to be right where she needed to be to receive the arrival of the, of the Savior. 
It's fascinating when you look at it. Waiting on God's timing means cultivating a life of patience. Whew. We need to preach on patience more often. Anybody else patient in here? It's my strongest. My strongest attribute is patience. Nope, that's lying. My strongest attribute might be lying because I'm the most impatient person. I struggle hard with patience. I mean, even this morning, I was driving, and I'm like, dude, it's Christ- day after Christmas. I'm going to get something good, like something really, again, me just kind of rationalizing my health. I'm like, I'm going to get the worst Starbucks drink ever. And so I go in line at Starbucks, and I'm waiting. I'm not kidding. For 15 minutes, the line didn't move. So I pull out my iPad. I'm looking at my notes. I'm like, obviously, they're busy patients. You know, God bless them. I prayed for them. I didn't. I'm kidding. Um, and I'm sitting there, and then finally the car moved, and I was like, thank God, someone's doing their job. We can move forward. Next car moves up. I sat there for another 10 minutes. That car didn't move. That car moved forward. I'm like, maybe they're just taking a long time. I went to the window, and I sat another 10 minutes, and no one addressed me. I finally said, I'm out of here. I can't do this. I already was ready to rip my hair out that I didn't have. I was, I was like, what is going on? I pulled up to the window, and it was closed. And one person at a time, everyone was realizing it. And there was a line out to literally Baldwin Road, and one person at a time is realizing that they're closed. Nobody's there. But all of us, we're doing our best to be patient. (laughs) I love how God teaches us in the moments we're going to preach these things. It's fascinating. God's like, you're the most impatient person I know, Jim. I'm like, I know, God. I'm working on it, preaching to myself. It's like James. James 5 in verse 7 That's what James shares. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Do you see this? Being a follower of Jesus is about waiting. It's about patience, that God works in the waiting rather than in the giving. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the earth, or the earthly and the late rains, the early, excuse me, and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. See, James is saying, patience is the way in which we engage in a season of waiting. God is trying to grow our patience and a heart of faith to receive the fruit. You know, patience is a fruit of the Spirit. This morning, the Spirit was not evident in my life. But what God's trying to do in those moments is patience. Do you know what patience looks like? Patience looks like watching seeds grow. My gosh, my kids are like, hey, at school, we got a seed, like a cup of, of soil. And like every week, you see it go. Imagine if you just had to sit there and watch it grow. That's what God is doing when you're having to be patient. That's exactly the illustration that he uses here, the analogy of a farmer waiting for his crop to grow. Man, if you've never grown anything, you can't just throw all of the water on it one time like I'd like to do. You need a bucket of water to grow the full term, I'll just dump it on you now. I'll come back in a month, it'll be fantastic. That's not how it works. No, it's patience. It's day in and day out. You'll drown the thing. Right? It's, it's day in and day out, actively working with your harvest to watch it grow in patience. Honestly, one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture is Nehemiah. This is exactly what you see in him. My, 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 my good friend, Cliff Johnson, made me aware of this many years ago. I've never forgotten it. In Nehemiah chapter 1, read it. I was just out in California uh, for about a week doing counseling, in-depth heart counseling. I'll speak about it next week. And we went through the, the book of Nehemiah. It's fascinating when you look at it. Nehemiah hears about how Jerusalem has fallen. All the walls are torn down. He literally falls to the ground. He's so overwhelmed. He prays before the Lord. 
He's the cupbearer of the king. And, and I honestly, I don't have time to read it right now. And, and you read the story. And in chapter 2, he goes before the king, and he's very upset. He's sad. And it could be in those days, if you were sad before the king as the cupbearer, he'd just have you killed. Like, you are not sad in my presence. I tell Alex the same thing. <laughs> you ever look frowny again? You're out. No, but he comes before the Lord and his face is sad. So the king actually says, hey, why are you sad? And he goes on to talk about Israel, about Jerusalem, how, how, it's, how, how the, the city is in rubble. And he asks, hey, what can I do? And it's amazing that Nehemiah knows exactly what he needs. He's like, hey, I need this much stuff. I need rite of passage. I need protection. I need this. This is how long it's going to take and all that. It's amazing that he prayed before the Lord, Lord, give me an ear in chapter 1. And then when the opportunity came for the man with the power to answer his prayer, he was ready. He didn't sit back and be like, wait a minute, give me an hour, I'll be back. I need to go figure out what I need to build the walls. He had already, already in his waiting, calculated everything he needed, how long it's going to take. He wasn't just waiting, as my good friend Cliff shared with me many years ago. He was actively waiting. He was working behind the scenes, waiting for the opportunity when the Lord would show up. Man, and so many, so many of us, in so much of time, we just want to dump all of the water on the seed and walk away and ask God to answer our prayers now, for God to reveal himself now. But God is saying, in the waiting, as you wait, as I press in you, in Starbucks lines, patience, you are to be actively waiting, devoted to me, waiting on my timing, but waiting doesn't mean I sit on my hands, waiting for God to do something. It means that I strive with everything I have, working with the Lord, waiting for the moment that God moves because I'm ready because God has finally come. This is what we see them doing. No matter what season, can I tell you, you're in. The time that we have in waiting is not meant for us to be impatient, to be overwhelmed, to freak out, but God is pressing in us patience for God to fulfill his promise as we actively wait for his timing. And it's his timing. It'll come. Then you look in verse 27. The greatest part of all of this, as you look at Simeon's life, there's this theme of the Holy Spirit. As I would say, the last thing is to wait in God's Spirit. Look at verse 27. It says, And he came in the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. I'm able to die now, Lord, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all prophets, or peoples, excuse me, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. But like Simeon, we need to wait in the Spirit. In, in verse 27, it's kind of the culmination of a theme that Luke is highlighting throughout the witness or eyewitness experience of Simeon, and that is in the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is mentioned twice in Simeon's introduction when he's introduced, and it says that Simeon comes to the temple on that day. Luke highlights that he comes in the Spirit. 
that he's, he's walking with the Spirit of God that day. It's fascinating because the Spirit of God hasn't even yet come fully to indwell people until Acts 2 on Pentecost. He's walking with the Spirit as the Spirit is upon him. That, you know, Luke is highlighting that Simeon is someone who walks with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's upon him. The Holy Spirit has spoken to him. He's marked. His life is marked by the Holy Spirit. And he's saying here, in this moment, in Simeon's life, the Spirit is the key. It's the key to Simeon's waiting. The Holy Spirit is there. He's empowering him to wait. And what I love is that through the Spirit, Simeon recognized what no one else other than Anna is able to recognize on that day, that the Messiah has come. Like I said, there's hundreds, maybe thousands of people in the temple, and only Simeon and Anna are able to recognize this is the Christ. The promise that Simeon had received, that in his lifetime, he would be able to see the Christ, was fulfilled in that moment as he acknowledges he's able to now depart in peace. He recognized that he's seen salvation and the fulfillment of God's promise. And what's beautiful, he says that it's not just for the Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles. Me. Most all of us. You know, one of, one of the things that Simeon's life reminds us of is that it's the Holy Spirit it's just a picture of what Luke's going to go on and show the rest of his gospel, that the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals and enables us to receive Jesus as our Savior. The Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we would have never experienced salvation through Christ. The Spirit is at work here revealing God's promise to Simeon here and now, and Simeon is responding by recognizing that salvation is about to come through Jesus. So what Simeon is actually recognizing is that what Luke will go on to show through the rest of his gospel, that Jesus, God himself, has come in human flesh here and now, and he's going to, about to, in his life, go and give his life on the cross and then raise from the grave and then ascend to his Father. And all of that is revealed through the Spirit of God. Then through Simeon, and then through the rest of the, of the gospel, it shows that it is for us that the way in which we experience the gospel is through the Holy Spirit. And the good news is that all of us, all of us have the opportunity to respond to the Lord by just trusting in Him as the Spirit of God reveals Himself to each one and draws us. I'll tell you, if you're here today or if you're watching online and you've given your life to Jesus, you will never forget the moment when the Spirit of God drew you and you were like, man, there is something inside of me drawing me to what whoever is saying or whatever I'm reading. The Spirit of God was working. So he's saying happens here. And today, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been or what you've been doing or what, uh, where you're at watching online, if the Holy Spirit is working now to draw you, the beautiful thing is, is our response is only but to trust in Christ. And if you're here today, I'd love to chat with you about that. If you're online, drop a comment. Someone, I promise you, will have a conversation with you today. Man, if you're in Christ today, if you're a follower of Jesus, what I would say is this that God has given you the Holy Spirit to empower you to walk faithfully and await his fulfillment. It's exactly what Jesus reminds his disciples of in Acts. So I want to read it quickly in verse 7. He said this, responding to them, hey, man, are you going to bring about the kingdom and restore the kingdom of Israel? This is what Jesus says back in Acts 1-7 before he ascends to his father. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons, 
that the Father is fixed by his own authority. Again, like this theme of waiting. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what Jesus is reminding his disciples and he's reminding us today is that there will be a season of waiting for what Jesus has promised to be fulfilled. But what is amazing, in the very next breath, he says, in your waiting, I'm sending someone, Late earlier he said, even greater than myself, the Holy Spirit, who is going to empower you to wait and empower you to fulfill all with devotion, what I have called you to do. So, man, if you're here today, brothers and sisters in Christ, you're in a season of waiting. Know that the Lord is with you. He can empower you to have, impa- have patience if you will but work alongside of him, walk with him. Man, I can't compel you enough. What is the role of the Spirit of God in your life? Is the Holy Spirit someone you even acknowledge in your life? It's really hard. It's not impossible because he's God, but it's hard for the Spirit of God to actively work in your life day in and day out if you don't even acknowledge him. What is the role of the Holy Spirit able to empower you to wait in those moments? I'll tell you, if you're not waiting now, I promise you, you are waiting now because all of us in this room, all of us watching online, all of us as followers of Jesus are waiting till the day when we see Jesus face to face. And in the meantime, It's a game of patience and waiting. May we be devoted to the Lord. May we be actively waiting for God's timing in all that we're doing. And may be walking in the Spirit in our waiting. Because God has something for you. He may not be revealing it in this moment. But in the meantime, can I tell you, God is working in the waiting. May you be working with Him alongside the Spirit of God in your life. Let's pray together. God, thank you uh, for... The story of Anna and Simeon, as it is a story that not many of us obviously know often, but it is a story that is compelling of the faithfulness of individuals who are waiting on you, Lord. So I just ask that their stories might impact our stories. No matter who's watching online today, may their story be impacted by the story of Simeon and Anna. No matter who's here today, even as I was preparing myself God, what a, what a gift it is to read of these stories and not skip over them and see how you are working in people's lives and how you might be able to work in our own. So God, even now as we sing, maybe even a song that many people don't know, may we just ponder and think and compel ourselves what season we are in. And if it's a season of waiting, may it be a season where we press in with patience and activity, waiting for your timing, devoted to you, working alongside the Holy Spirit. May it be so. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.